What's up, everybody? This is the NBA Outsiders Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm your host. My three basketball guys, the Outsiders themselves, are going to join me in just a moment. But as you know, the NBA Outsiders Podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, App, Google Play, SoundCloud, the whole nine. It's also powered by SportsBlogNewYork.com. You can follow them at SportsBlogNYC. But I assume you might do that already. More importantly, you need to follow NBA underscore Outsiders. That's us. That's who you're listening to right now. The four greatest basketball minds you've probably never heard of, unless you're listening to me talk right now, because that means you're going to hear them. And we're fantastic. And that's going to be Frank, Bab, Pete, and Duff in no specific order. But you got to follow us on Twitter, at NBA Outsiders, with a little underscore in the middle. Forgot to mention that. But we just launched a Twitter. We're happy to get the following up. Happy to get some engagement. Let us know what you think. Leave a rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts app. That makes us real happy because what we want to do is deliver some great NBA content this entire year. The season starts today. I mean, we've been waiting for this forever. We got so much to talk about, so many petty wars. And I'm not just talking about Duff vs. Frank because that petty war is legit too. But without further ado, so we can get to all these great NBA storylines and games that are coming up. We got real games. Yes, we do. Let me bring in my guest. First off, Justin Bad. What up, man? What's up, Pete? Uh... Dude, one more day. One more day and we're there. Well, that's how you can tell that you're a rookie on this podcast because this is going to be dropped on Tuesday, Bab. We're, we're, okay, we're... Well, well, all right. It's, it's, today. it's today. Today. Today, baby. We got some real games going on. Unless Figure you're out just... how podcast time zones work, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're just so fixated on uh, Sixers on Wednesday night that you don't count the Tuesday night start off. Oh, oh. see, that's a rookie mistake by you, Pete. You're not, you're not knowing Bab. What's up? The Tuesday night games, no, they count. Dude, that was a podcast, rookie. The Tuesday night games, they're counting. Oh yeah, and there's there's much to talk about. We can't wait to get into it. Duff, I hear you're talking a little bit. How you doing? I'm amped, dude. I'm so fucking amped. I can't wait for this. I can't wait for tonight. And Frank, my man, what up? How you doing? How we doing, Petey? I like how this is like, you know, the petty episode. I'm gonna go at Duff. Yeah, I mean, shut up, Frank. <laughs> I'm trying to let people know on Twitter at NBA underscore Outsiders that the Duff vs. Frank is real. And you know what? I, I kind of thought back to our first three episodes. So this is our, our fourth episode of the NBA Outsiders podcast. We did an inaugural episode with a little preseason um, overview. Then we did our Eastern Conference over-unders, our Western Conference over-unders. And there honestly wasn't that much shade thrown between you and Duff. Uh, but it's in our group chat and our Instagram chat. Where you guys just go at each other. And, you know, possibly while we were plan- practicing to record for this episode, uh, it's real. And you might hear it today. You might. It's going to boil I mean, over. Yeah, I feel like animals. I try to, with all things in life, I like to compress them deep down inside <laughs> until it gets to the point where I can no longer take it and then I just explode. So I can't promise it this episode, but it'll happen. We're we're definitely cut from the same cloth in that way, Frank. (laughs) Yes. Maybe you guys have more in common than you may have thought. (laughs) Shut up. No way. (laughs) All right. Well, I think a good place to start here is with some petty bullshit, right? So, well, I'll open up with a few little things in our first ever game that we got going on in the 2017-18 season. I mean, what the hell are the odds? Does David Stern still have frozen envelopes like mixed in when he's picking the schedules now for the NBA? Like, We got two giant trades this year. Kyrie from Cleveland to Boston, 
and we got Mello from the Knicks to OKC, and they play each other first game of the year. Like, what the hell are the odds of that? It's some crazy conspiracy NBA shit. But either way, I'm not a conspiracy guy, so I'm not going to go deep into that. But we're we got Celtics. Guys. We're not conspiracy guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got we got Cavs. We got Celtics. We got game one of the season. Kyrie versus LeBron. Like, what are you guys looking most into right now? Right now, all I want to know is who's going to have the better revenge game. And I want to know what you guys think about this. I think Kyrie is going to have – I can see it going one of two ways. Either he has like an all-time revenge game or he stays within the system and they get the win, which would be the ultimate revenge. But either way, this dude's going to get some revenge. I can see him going for 50 and they lose, and everyone's like, oh, this is why Kyrie can't have his own team. Or I could see him just going you know, 25 points – Six assists, six rebounds, and then they play within the system and they actually get the W. So I think Kyrie is going to come out the victor in this revenge tour game. So you think he's? You think the Celtics are winning it? I think. Well, I don't. I I don't know if they're going to win, but Kyrie is going to win the night. So he's either going to get fifty and they lose the game, or he's going to play within himself within the system and they're going to win the game. So he's going to win the night. It's funny you say that because I, I totally see Kyrie going off. I don't think 50, but I see him going off for like 40 in this first game. Like, absolutely, he's going to want to be putting in buckets against that team. And uh, But, I, I mean, I think overall, I think the Cavs come out on top. I mean, I think I, I'm never betting against LeBron James. He's the best player in the world. And Kyrie may have the better revenge game stat-wise, but LeBron James is going to get that last lap. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with uh, Bab on this one. Uh, actually, I kind of lean both ways. It's kind of ambiguous, I guess. I think Kyrie's going to have a big number. I think he can put up 40, maybe even 50. I mean, that guy's unguardable. Who knows? Um, but I think, like, you know, at the beginning, Le- LeBron's going to sit back and play, like, I'm bigger than this. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to ball out or whatever. And then when, Ky- when he sees what Kyrie's doing, like, by the fourth quarter, he'll turn up and the Cavs will, will take this game, I believe. Yo, right. you, you know who I don't bet against? Who don't you bet against? J.R. Smith. Bro, he is not happy that he's coming off the bench, though. Oh, I don't care about that. You heard what he said about Boston, though. He's not worried about them as a, as a threat to the Cavs. J.R. Smith ain't worried about nothing. He said, I don't think they really pose a big threat to us. Quote, J.R. Smith ain't worried about the Celtics. I mean, I love Jalen Brown. I'm a, I'm a guy who is on the Jalen Brown's like bandwagon, if you want to call it that. I'm not as high on Jason Tatum, but I respect what he can do on a basketball court. Like when you bring out LeBron and Dwayne Wade and J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson down low, and you got rookies like Jalen Brown and well he's not a rookie obviously, but him and Jason Tatum, these youngins and Marcus Smart is young and they're gonna go up against these savvy vets. I can see this going two ways kinda like you guys, but the way I really expect is LeBron James, a la what he did to Steph Curry in the finals on occasion when the Cavs actually beat the Warriors two years back, he's going to find Kyrie, get into the hoop when he's probably going to be playing help defense, and he's going to come out of nowhere and either pin Kyrie like you've never seen Kyrie get pinned before, because let's be real, Kyrie doesn't get pinned, right? Or he's going to get swatted into out of bounds, but LeBron is going to make his mark, that one play during the game, whether first half, second half, Important play, not important play. I can't wait for Bron Bron to say bye-bye to a Kyrie fancy layup because it's going to get sent out of there and Cleveland's going to go nuts. There is 
no chance of that happening. I have been what? watching Kyrie Irving since he was in high school, practically, and I have not once seen his shot get blocked. So good luck with that. Uh, uh, actually, uh, in last year's finals, Kevin Durant literally swatted him off the backboard. That was one time. Oh, you just right, said fine. one time. Oh yeah, one right. Time. One time. Foot in mouth, this, real early, Doug. This is this is revenge for <laughs> Kyrie. This is not the same. You got mellow, you got Olympic mellow, and you got hoodie mellow. Now we got Kyrie, and we got revenge tour Kyrie. Dude, no way is, he's getting his shot blocked. It is game one of the season, but LeBron is going to be bringing it, dude. You got to think that he feels disrespected by everything that went on this offseason. And you don't disrespect the king. You don't disrespect the king and get away with it. Uh, I, I can totally see... Pete's side of things. I think LeBron's going to do everything in his power. He's going to body up Irving. He's going to switch on to him. Like, he's going to want to just just dominate him in every aspect of the game. Like, you do don't. You guys, do you guys think LeBron? Do you guys think LeBron is going to guard Kyrie at some point in this game? If yes, how often do you think it's going to happen? Do you think it's just going to be on switches? Or do you think when it's like a big possession in a game, he's going to switch on, like end of a quarter or something? What do you think? Oh, my God. I, I, don't, I don't know, Duff, but I'm thinking about. Tomorrow, oh, tonight, sorry, I just pulled a bab. Uh, I can't believe I just did that. I threw shade at bab for making the same mistake I just did, but whatever. Tonight, when we're watching Cavs-Celtics, if, say, it's like, you know, 14 seconds left in the shot clock, and they flip it back out to Kyrie at the top of the key, and for whatever reason, LeBron switched on there, and the, the shot clock's just running down, Kyrie's just sizing him up. Yo, it's going to be electric. And I can sincerely, I mean, I went on the bronze side my first time around here, I can sincerely see Kyrie giving a little cross-up to LeBron and taking him to the rack or doing one of those layups where you have no idea where the ball's coming out and you try to block on the right and he's flipping up left with some spin. Like, Kyrie's ridiculous. I ain't trying to take it away from him. But either way, it's going to be so much fun to see either Bron shut down Kyrie with a sick block or whatever he's going to do or to see Kyrie sauce LeBron. Like, that's going to be ridiculous. It's game one. It's a a win-win. I just hope Kyrie doesn't sit underneath the rim for any extended period of time on defense because we all know that a few guys in that team are looking to catch a body and he's who they're going after. But I think another little added wrinkle that we haven't talked about yet, um, I've been reading online that the Cavs plan on honoring Kyrie with like a tribute video before the game. I feel like that's going to go like super rough. Like That is so – they're going to – all the fans are going to boo during the entire yeah, video. That's so it's going to be weird, yeah. I mean, like, maybe it's a tribute of fans burning his jersey or something, which would be stable, <laughs> but, like, awesome. yeah, uh, I don't know how that's going to go. I feel like that's going to add a little drama to the game. He's getting booed. He's going to get booed. Oh, 100%, 100% get yeah. But wait, wait, wait. Nope. You know what typically happens, though? I mean, this is a little bit of a unique situation, I'll say. But a lot of times, if a guy's in one uh, city for a long time and he leaves – Usually when he comes back, he'll get, like, applauded his first time. Like, he gets announced, and you get a little cheers, a couple boos here and there, but kind of mixed. And then as soon as he, like, scores a bucket, it's straight boos for the rest of his life. That's possible that could happen, no? No, nah, I don't think <laughs> so. So much shade at Cleveland. He wanted yeah, to get he, the fuck out he, of there. He kept saying that, like, it's not the team. It wasn't my teammates. I just really wanted out of Cleveland. Like, I think him and the city are at odds, like, big time. Yeah, and he's saying, oh, Boston's a real sports town. It's nice to be in a real town that's got something to do. Like, That's nothing but shade at the city of Cleveland and the state of Ohio. Yeah, that's pure pettiness right there. The the pain is too recent for them to cheer him. He is not getting cheered one second. For one second, he's not getting cheered in there. 
Damn, I kind of, I kind of thought maybe in the beginning they're gonna show like the shot over uh, Clay, or was it over Steph? It was over Steph, right? Steph. Yeah, it was over Steph. Steph. The step to the to the right shot over Steph in the in the finals. Like, if they show that, you think Cleveland's still gonna be booing? Maybe they just go quiet, but they're yeah. not gonna cheer. What's worse <laughs> yeah, though? It's they're like, not cheering them, bro. You got to get out of that mindset. The absolute silence or booze. Like, well, I think I would rather hear booze if I was Kyrie. The silence is just weird. That's just so wow. You're so right. Holy Yo, shit. if they give the silent treatment to Kyrie tomorrow, like tonight, that damn bad. That's twice. <laughs> <laughs> if they give the silent treatment to Kyrie, that might be the most legendary pettiness of all time. That would be up there. Could, that would honestly be hysterical. That'd be one of the funniest things I've ever seen in sports. Are we gonna have to try to get this going on Twitter? Like, are we gonna have to do this? <laughs> I wish we had that much clout. (laughs) You don't think our 30 followers are going to get it done? Dude, all right. So (laughs) enough about the petty shit for now. We're definitely coming back to some petty shit. We always do. Enough for now. I want to talk about the other free agent. Well, the free agent that Boston signed. They got Kyrie in trade. Gordon Hayward. How is he going to do in a big-time opening night game he played in Utah. They have no rivals. They were good, but no one was really like, oh, Utah, big storyline. Like, he's never been in a big market with a microscope on him. How's he going to react in Cleveland? Um, I don't know specifically how he's going to do to start the year, but I really can see Gordon Hayward having a standout season compared to his prior seasons in terms of, like, efficiency and – and things of that nature. Um, he's just an unselfish player by nature, and he's incredibly talented. And I know that ball is going to be finding him in good spots, and I think you know it's already established that he can score in the NBA. So if you get him good looks, you know he's going to be he's going to be able to ball out. And being a second option to Kyrie Irving is like a huge benefit to anyone, but to a guy like that, it means even more because they can you can never double team either one of those guys. So um, I expect a big season out of Gordon Hayward from the Celtics, especially he has some familiarity with Brad Stevens. So, you know, I don't think there will be too big of a learning curve for him in this offense. I think he has a, I think he has a good game tonight. I mean, he said in an interview that they're all – he was like, yeah, we know this is a big game. You know, it's a season opener, but not just that. He was like, he was like we're all playing for Kyrie. He was like, we know that, like, Kyrie wants to win this bad. And, like, I think it is going to benefit him that the spotlight – isn't going to be on him. It's going to be the LeBron and Kyrie that everybody's kind of looking at. I think he has like a sneaky good game. Probably not sneaky. I mean, we'll all see it. But, uh, and then the rest of the year, I mean, I think he'll fit in well in that offense being, I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong. Like when you're starting point guard is Kyrie Irving. Like he's going to give you so much opportunity. He's going to create so much like diversion. The defense is going to have to focus on him. But I think Gordon Hayward has a really good game. Well, you know, with Gordon Hayward, his style is kind of just quiet in general. Like, if you watched the yeah. Jazz last year, he wasn't even really featured as a player. Like, he wasn't their featured scorer specifically. Like, he ended up being because he was the most talented offensive player. But they ran a system, right? So he didn't just get the ball and they said, go score. They gave him the ball and said, run this player, run this pick and roll, or move the ball, go off this screen. So he kind of plays quiet, even though he'll make big plays and dunks and hit step-back threes. He's, he's kind of low-key on the court because he just does his job and does it well. So I don't know. I think it definitely benefits him, like Bab said, to be kind of second fiddle in this in this opening night, this big primetime game. 
this would probably be the biggest game of his career, right? Like, is that crazy to say? I mean, he played well, playoff he games. He played playoff games before. He played playoff games last year, right. But it was Jazz. When they beat the Clippers, like, that was a good series for them. But even that, like, the Clippers had injuries, right? So then they went to Golden State, and even though they competed pretty well, no one thought they were going to win. This is this is now first game in Boston, like legendary basketball city. It's a big deal. But the funny thing to me is that how ha- is how Gordon Hayward on the fourth of July, middle of the summer, like basketball shouldn't even be relevant. He literally owned a weekend and the fourth of July. It was all about him. NBA Twitter was firing up. He writes his letter. Big deal for a couple more days, and then done like no one even talked about Gordon Hayward anymore all about Kyrie all about Melo and Gordon Hayward just kind of rode into Boston like low-key low-key and that's what's happening tonight with this first game I, I think you're right I don't think he's been part of a game what playoffs or otherwise I don't think he's been a part of a game that's had this type of narrative this type of storyline that's going to be viewed with this much national attention so I I, th- I think he'll he, he's I mean he's an all-star he 22 points last year He's gonna get his. He's gonna get his. He's gonna do it probably quietly, like you're talking about. But I think he is gonna be a very reliable piece for them this year. So I think he's gonna do just fine in this game. That's right. He is super reliable. So I don't want to spend too too much time on this because I'm sure there are gonna be some people listening to the NBA Outsiders on Wednesday, day after this game. So we don't want to talk too long about this game specifically. So let's just make a quick pick and let's keep it moving. We'll talk. We got more to talk about with. The Rockets with James Harden, Kevin McHale. We got MB Whiteside drama. We got just the whole season to talk about. Make a couple predictions towards the end. So real quick, Duff, you were just talking. So uh, who's winning? Who's winning the game tonight? I'm taking Boston in a close one. I think this goes down to the last minute and a half. No one's sure who's going to win, but I think Boston takes it down the stretch. Damn, I hope so. Frank, what do you think? Uh, I got the Cavs winning this one. They're going to dominate the boards and dominate inside. Nothing the Celtics can do about it. Bab. Yeah, yeah, I'm going Cavs as well. It's going to be a close one, but I think the Cavs take it. Duffy against the world. I'm going Cavs too. Screw you, Duffy. <laughs> That's how I like it. That's how I know I'm right. Yeah, you right. Pick the other shit. I mean, That's why you only got one F, Duff. D-U-F. You don't even got a second F. You're whack. Now, nah, well, we'll yes. see on Wednesday. Because some people might be listening to this podcast on Wednesday. So if Duff's wrong and you knew he was going to be wrong, you better tweet at us at NBA underscore Outsiders. Tell us what up. Tell us who you think's right. And we know it's not going to be tough, so it's all good. Uh, let's keep this thing moving, though. So we got the Rockets and the Warriors also playing tonight as the second game of the 2017-18 season. Now, the Rockets and Warriors don't specifically have you know, a ton of head-to-head drama because the Warriors have won 20 out of the last 25 matchups between the two teams. Um, but they still are considered two of the best teams in the West. James Harden, Chris Paul, new, uh, same face, new place. So it's definitely going to be interesting. It's going to be hyped up. But we also have this underlying storyline of James Harden versus ex-coach Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale said basically James Harden's not a leader. He doesn't do what he has to do towards the end of games. Really, really took a shot at him. And then James Harden doubled down and literally, quote, called Kevin McHale a clown. Like he called him a clown right in front of a camera, like on camera. Kevin McHale's a clown. He didn't teach me anything. Guys, how are you feeling about this Rocket situation with James Harden, leader or not, and Chris Paul coming now in? I think McHale was right. I don't think Harden's a leader. 
maybe it was just a product of him being used so his usage rate was just so high last year as the point guard he kind of just ran out of gas towards the end of the season and then the playoffs he just was dead on the court um but i think chris paul is definitely going to step up in that leadership role because he's the type of player and kevin McHale said on nba tv like on these great you know like bulls magic celtics teams or um lakers teams and celtics teams of the past you had bird magic Jordan getting in people's faces or just other players telling people what they need to do. Oh, you missed this on this play. Let's get this next time. You know, kind of just being a floor general coach out there for the other players on the court. And I don't think he's that type of player. And I think Mikhail was right. But I don't necessarily think that makes him a bad player or a bad teammate. He's just not a leader. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I actually agree with you, Duff. Uh, I, I don't think being a leader and being a good player are synonymous. Uh, one person that comes to my mind uh, in the NFL, at least, is uh, Cam Newton. Like, I guess he's a good player. We'll say he's a good player, just for the sake of the argument. And uh, that guy is definitely not a good leader. We can all agree on that, no? I think so. so yeah. So are you I, saying that Chris Paul is going to be the leader of that team? He's going to be the one that takes charge, and James Harden's just going to be playing on his team? Uh, I, it's I mean, always going to be Harden's team. But it's got to be Harden's team. It's, it's Harden's well, first team, off, but let's Chris just make Paul this. is going to be like in people's faces doing what Harden, it, doing what Harden isn't doing. Absolutely. Like what? the way Draymond Green gets in people's faces on the Warriors, that's not Draymond's team. Like that's Steph's team. But that's he. Steph is not the type of person who's going to get in your face and be like, "You missed this." Like Draymond was in. Kevin Durant's chest at times last year, telling him what he needed to do better. Well, yeah, I think I think Draymond's like the opposite of what we're saying. Like, like you can be like a great, good player and not a leader. Like, don't get me wrong, Draymond Green is a great player, but he's not the best player when he's on the court. But he's probably their most vocal leader, at least. Oh, and yeah. people, a lot of people agree that he's the engine that makes that team go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that I mean, I guess that's kind of like the opposite. Like, Harden has more skill, but he doesn't have as much leadership qualities. Um, whereas Draymond Green might have not have as much skill, but he's just got more of that leadership quality. People are going to listen to him, you know? Uh, let's just be honest here, too, right? So, James Harden and Chris Paul, as much as you can say they're going to work or they're not going to work, they need each other, right? So, even in James Harden's, what, four years in Houston, he's made it farther in the playoffs than Chris Paul has in his entire career. Like, need to digest that. Chris Paul has never been to a conference finals. James Harden brought the Rockets to a conference finals when they came back on the Clippers after the Clippers blew a series lead. So they need each other. Chris Paul's the grit and get in people's face to the point where people probably don't even like him. But besides the point, he's got to play that tough guy role of inspiring people to make plays down the stretch, inspiring people to be physical and not take crap from the other team. And James Harden's going to be that that cocky swag with the craziest skill on the floor basically every single night because that dude is ridiculous and he's smooth and he does whatever he wants on the floor. So they need each other. So I don't think Kevin McHale was wrong either, but I also don't think James Harden was wrong because clearly Kevin McHale didn't do too much to make that team click. Mike D'Antoni came in and flipped that team from basically trash to treasure. I mean, they hardly made the playoffs as an eight seed and then they won over 55 games or whatever they won last year. So I don't know if Kevin McHale was a great coach. Maybe that's besides the point. But James Harden, also not a great leader. 
uh, all these things kind of work together, and now we come to the point where Chris has to, Chris Paul has to take his best qualities. We got to take James' best qualities and find the happy medium. Maybe it'll work. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. Kevin McHale was just not the right fit for a player like James Harden. And if the coach and the best player on your team are not in sync with each other, you're not going to find success. And D'Antoni is a guy who loves offense, go up and down, score a lot of points. And Daryl Morley is the same way, the GM. He jumped Daryl Morey. He, he built this team to hopefully, and he's using the analytics to support this, built this team to hopefully beat the Warriors by outscoring them because you can't shut that team down. You can't like grind and out-defend them and keep the score low because they just had too many scoring options, too but many can you, shooters. But can you outshoot them? Can you outscore them? To, like, Is that possible? Well, that's, that's what we're trying to find out because that's the only way he thinks that you can beat them. And so far, that seems to be the only option. Think about LeBron has been doing the same thing. He basically just... He's been tailoring his team around him, saying, okay, I'm going to be the guy with the ball making the decisions, and then I'm just going to kick out to the four shooters around me. And they, you know, they had competitive games, and they're obviously, well, they were obviously the only team that could compete with the Warriors. So there is some evidence to definitely support that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Frank, I'm sorry to cut you off. You can jump in in a second. I don't know if you can say the Rockets are the only team. I mean, we got the Spurs last year. No, 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 no. no. I was saying, no, no. I was saying last year, like in in the past three years, the Cavaliers have been the ones to contend with the Warriors. Understood. Like the the best out of any other team because uh, LeBron realized you have to beat them at their own game. You have to have shooters around. That's why they went out and got Kyle Korver. That's why they unleashed J.R. Smith. That's why, like, they're they're letting their shooters shoot. Yeah, I mean, I agree. There there really is no way to stop that team. I mean, maybe you have, like, a lucky, you know, stroke in the in the regular season and, you know, they come off, like, a back-to-back or something. Like, put, like, in a seven-game series in the playoffs, like, where it's structured, where they have rest and all that stuff. Like, even if you stop them one game, you're not you're not going to have the defense to stop that team for a whole series. No one does. Yeah. You yeah. need the – you need the all – defensive first team NBA to probably even try to do that yeah so I, I couldn't agree more um I guess the one thing I would disagree with a little bit is like there were some teams that competed pretty well with them like the Thunder went seven games with them the the year that they lost to the the Cavs in the finals um and the Spurs last season in the playoffs I mean I know Kawhi got hurt really early but when Kawhi was in for that short period of time, they did look like the better team, and I know that probably wouldn't have withstanded for the you know the entire series. But I think it speaks a little bit to how good the Spurs are. I think they'll always be able to compete. That's and cool. how good Kawhi is. Yeah. but that yeah. was only a couple quarters. But this is one game. It's not a series. So who do we think is going to take this one game? Frank, what's your prediction? I mean, I'm going to go with the Warriors. They have the big four. They're all returning. They're all settled in. The Rockets, although they know what they want their identity to be, probably still have some work to do to you know maximize. So uh, for that reason alone, I'm going to take the Warriors. Just more seasoned and well-oiled machine at this point. Breaking news from ESPN. Andre Iguodala is back. His back injury makes him questionable for the opener. Does that change your answer? Probably not, but it's a little piece of news I thought I'd throw out there. It doesn't, but 
in the long run, uh, Andre Iguodala is very integral part of that team. He's like he's like mini Draymond. He's like another glue guy that they have. I feel like he really helps make it go. So uh, that's a big he'll loss. Get, he's out for extended time. He'll get plenty of rest this season. Bab, what do you, what do you think? Who are you taking? I'm going with the Warriors, too. I just don't think that the Rockets have... I think the Warriors, I mean, they're like a top five, top ten team offensively and defensively. The Rockets' defense is not good. I think the Warriors are going to be able to hold them while still scoring as many points as they want on the Rockets' trash can dumpster fire defense. And I say the Warriors win this one. Pete? I think the Warriors win. I don't think it's close at the end, but I think it's going to be competitive for three, three and a half quarters. Warriors go on one of those runs towards the end of the middle, end of the fourth, where they just score 10 in like four minutes, uh, four seconds, whatever the hell, 40 seconds. I don't care. They're going to go off at the end of the game, make it look not so close, but I think it'll be competitive. It'll be fun. And I'm Frank, I'm glad you brought up this, uh, the Spurs because I want to jump to them next. But Duff, make your pick first. Uh, I'm going with the Warriors. Hundred percent. Nothing else needs to be said. Right. That's pretty pretty much it. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Spurs, Frank, because uh, I had mentioned them quickly before when Duff was talking about the Cavs competing with the Warriors. So a Lamarcus Aldridge signed an extension, shocked a lot of people, including Spurs fans, and didn't really see it coming. Kind of came out of nowhere. Also, Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard, and he's a top five player in this NBA. And Duff said it before we started recording the podcast. Popovich's mind can compete with the Warriors. Like, that's one of the few things in the NBA that can compete with the Warriors. And my question to you guys is, basically, if you take the first game of the 2016-17 season from last year, when the Spurs actually won against the Warriors, and then you take that first game of the playoffs when they had a 20-point lead against the Warriors, is that enough sample size to say to you that when these two teams are healthy, the Spurs can truly compete? Or is that not enough sample size to where you would say, I don't care if the Spurs are up 20. The Warriors do that from time to time. They're going to run with run past them after that anyway. I don't, I don't think it's enough of a sample size. But the thing I want to talk about this is the LaMarcus Aldridge signing. So he signed a three-year extension. Yes. And Spurs fans were not, not, not excite, ecstatic about this. And it's weird. Reasonably so. Like, he, he was not great in the playoffs for them. When Kawhi went down, you, you thought, okay, Maybe Lamarck Aldridge, like de- at one point was debatable, like top ten player in the NBA. Can he step up and make an impact in this series? And he didn't. So why do they want to keep him? I think this is part of a larger plan. They're going to sign him to an extension and then trade him because no one wanted to trade for. Like, the trade market probably wasn't great for him as a rental. Now I think if teams can get him for a few years, they'll they'll be more comfortable uh, trading for him. So that's where I think this is going. I think he's traded. I think he's gone. I kind of disagree, uh, honestly. I, I think I think this is the Spurs putting a little faith in, in LaMarcus Aldridge. I think it's a win-win because three years isn't a deal that's going to handcuff the Spurs for a long time. And I think they're just expecting him to have a good season. Like, I yeah. Think, I think the Spurs... I agree with you. I'm not buying too much into that. Uh, I think Pop... I mean, maybe he does have that on his agenda, but I think Pop does everything for a purpose. Um Marcus Aldridge, even though he didn't play well, was still a very integral part of that team. He still is Tim Duncan's replacement, and they still want him to be that guy, I think. Um, But back to your original question, uh, I do think it's enough of a sample size because, I mean, 
everybody saw the difference. The difference was Kawhi Leonard. Like, as much as I say it all the time that LeBron James is hands down the best player in the NBA, uh, you know, there's no denying the fact that Kawhi Leonard is not far off. Like, that guy plays both ends of the floor. Um, he gets better every single season. He's a robot. He doesn't get tired, nothing. He, he's, I don't even know how to explain him. He's a freak. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm bought in. The combination of a superstar talent like Kawhi Leonard and a guy like Greg Popovich, who, in my opinion, is the best coach of my generation across all sports, um, yeah, that team competes with anybody. Anybody. Straight shade at Bill Belichick. Belichick, get out of here. It's pop. Pop over you. Well, I mean, if you really want to have that argument, my, my one thing all the time is, like, whether you think Belichick cheated or not, whether you think it's bad or not, he's a, had that stigma. Like, no one even utters the word cheater around Greg Popovich. Like, it's not even a thing. Yeah, and Pop's a little more refined in his uh, wisdom, I, will, I must say. Bab, you've been quiet for a minute. What do you think about that? You think it's not enough sample size? Nah, I, I, I'm on Frank's side. I think Frank said that that was enough of a sample size. Um, I, I agree with him. I just think it's, I, I, I still think it's weird though. Like Aldridge openly admitted, like two or three times last year, that like he wasn't happy, like in San Antonio. Like he, he said that he wasn't happy with his role there and what he was doing. And then at the end of the year, he was being interviewed and they asked him. They were like, uh, they were like, you know, what are your plans? You, you, you're gonna come back to the Spurs? And he like, looked at the ground and he was just like, yeah, right. Like he literally said, "Yeah, right." To that, so like, I I was kind of I was confused. I guess I was on the Spurs fan side on this. I, it was weird to me, but uh, I mean, Aldridge is a great player. Pop is, I'm again, Team Frank. He's the best coach I've ever seen in any sport, um, and I think they're gonna make it work out. And I think he will have a good year. But it, the signing was still just weird. I don't know. Uh, I think this is definitely a trade. This is a trade because of everything that trade. you're because of everything that you're saying. He literally said, "Yeah, right. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to this team." And Pop is the type of dude where he can figure out real quick if you're gonna be the type of person who can play in his system. He's very much like Belichick in that abs- that aspect where if you if you can buy in, he loves you and he'll keep you forever. Think of Danny Green. Think of Patty Mills. Think of Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. Like think of all those guys who have been in his his teams do not change drastically year to year and if they do change and someone gets a new big role they get them like it's a it's a brand new player through the draft or undrafted free agent it's not it's like has it ever been a free agent signing like a big free agent signing this is going to sound absolutely absurd but hear me out i did not think about this at all until literally right now is rudy gay outside outside of lamarcus aldridge is rudy gay like their biggest free agent signing since like my entire life the last like 20 25 years like who else have they signed in free agency? Other than uh, I mean, Lamarcus I Aldridge. Think, I can't think of one. They're not like flashy like that. They don't really go out and get those guys. Like right. they just, just seem to have them. Team. Homegrown yeah. from David Robinson to Tim Duncan to like even if you want to throw in Bruce Bowen in there, like Tony Parker, Manu, all these guys are homegrown. Yeah, more yeah. Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Patty Mills. Like Tiago Splitter, like and like you go on and on down the line. Jonathan Simmons, I mean, he's gone now, and maybe he's they, maybe he's going to be didn't back. Did they sign Boban? They did sign Boban. That's, That's true. That's a huge signing in just terms of size. That guy's like seven seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny. a big man. Literally a giant signing. Literally, literally. <laughs> that picture, no, but what 
What's funnier, though, the picture of... No, 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 no. That's wrong, actually. Incorrect. Boban was a Spur. He signed with the Pistons. Because there was that famous picture of Boban next to Stan Van Gundy, and it was hilarious. Yeah, no, I, I, I also believe he was signed as Spur though. Boban. No, 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 no. He was. Oh well, he he was, he was not in the NBA before that, but he was. He was 27 when he joined the Spurs, so he was not an NBA player. Te- technically a free agent, but he hadn't. He wasn't corrupted by anyone else's NBA system or the American culture. So <laughs> these international players, he can brainwash them. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's like because they're so damn fundamental. That's all Pop needs. He needs the fundamentals, and he can give you everything else. Just do the simple things in an excellent way, and then it results in wins. That's exactly. how Pop does it. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, how how good are the Spurs without Pop? Like, are they still like the dynasty no. they've been? Dude. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi. Yeah. I I honestly believe this Kawhi Leonard is not the player he is today without Greg Popovich I say that with a hundred percent who is their shooting coach I think who is it Chip England I'm looking it up hold on bad by the way I usually appreciate your questions that was possibly one of the worst questions I've ever heard well no I just wanted to hear your thoughts because I'm I, I totally agree with you like pop like I mean I said I, I'm gonna back him up he's the best coach I've ever seen and I don't think that they're anywhere nearly as good the last 15 20 years if he's not that coach but like it's just ama- like he's amazing to me. Like his like what he does and like the players that he turns into like good, great role players. Like just like what he does is like, and I feel like he doesn't get enough, especially now. Like props for that because you know you got Kawhi Leonard, an MVP candidate on your team, but like that that team, that whole franchise is like all him. I mean, I guess well, it de- it depends where you look because usually if you're say you're watching like ESPN or NBA TV and they're talking about coach of the year. Somebody will say, "Well, you know, Pop could win it, but they're probably just going to give it to somebody else." Because yeah, because he's in it every year. He's right? basically it's like LeBron, the LeBron thing with the MVP. It's like we all know LeBron is the MVP because he brings mm-hmm. his team to the finals every year. But it wouldn't be fun if we just gave him the goddamn award every year. It's the same thing with Pop. Yeah, exactly. And the the guy I was talking about, Chip England, he's the best shooting coach in the NBA. He was like the best kept secret for a long time, up until about three three years ago. People started to realize this guy really matters, and I think he has a ton to do with their player development and creating shooters. Whether it be like the the progression of Patty Mills and obviously the transformation of Kawhi Leonard as a shooter. His if you look at his splits every year, his percentages just go up and up and up. It's crazy. It's 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 almost an anomaly. Like even even with the great shooting coach, like he gets better at. Everything every year, not just like shooting. It's unbelievable. You know who's not on Kawhi's Leonard? Kawhi's Leonard. Wow. (laughs) Who's who's not on Kawhi's level, but is very similar because he plays the same position. We were just talking about him before, and he's also gotten better in every key statistic every year of his career, and that's Gordon Hayward. Something about those small town markets, man. They keep getting better and better. No distractions. Grow, grow, man. You just grow. Like you can't you can't grow in the New York spotlight. You gotta you gotta be full grown almost. Yeah, guys like that, quieter quieter guys like Kawhi doesn't like to talk to the media. <laughs> Gordon Hayward just loves to sit in his house and play video games. Like they just need time to grow and develop. Wait, yeah, Duff, that's did, something you definitely can't find. Duff, did you in, say that on purpose? York, LA, Chicago. What? Did you say that on purpose? Quieter. What? What did I say? Quieter. 
Are you not picking oh, up no, what I'm I, putting down right now? I didn't do that on purpose, no. <laughs> I literally heard actually, you say... No, no, actually, yeah, 100%. I did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, You're right. the only one who caught that. Wow, I'm almost surprised. Right? I, right. I, I started laughing right away. You, you literally said quieter, and I, I loved it, every second of it. Well, let's keep moving on, because we got a lot more to talk about. We talked about the Spurs and the Cavs and Celtics and Warriors and, and this and that and this and that. Um, we got more stuff to talk about. We got more teams that are starting their season this week, obviously. It's the start of the NBA 2017-18 season. It's goddamn fantastic. The NBA outsiders are super excited about it. There's not much to get excited about in life, right? It's pretty dark elsewhere, but we got the it's NBA. Pretty dark. It's a pretty dark, cold place. It's, it's a, the world's a scary place, but uh, we got the NBA to not worry about anything else other than, you know, J.R. Smith throwing shade at Kyrie or vice versa. And also, we got some shade between Joel Embiid and Hassan Whiteside, do we? So the Sixers open up on Wednesday night. Goddamn, David Stern couldn't get us playing against the Heat. We got Sixers playing the Wizards, and we got the Heat playing the Magic. They start on the same night. But I want to talk about Joel Embiid specifically. I hardly care about breaking down Heat versus Magic, so we're not going to go there. But I do want to break down this Hassan Whiteside versus Joel Embiid thing. So real quick to give our listeners, the NBA Outsider listeners, SBNY Podcast listeners, a little bit of a recap. In a preseason game the other day, Joel Embiid was faced up against Hassan Whiteside. And early in the first quarter, Hassan Whiteside picked up his third foul. Quick aside, I thought two of them were pretty good defense. But anyway, three fouls on Hassan Whiteside. And Joel Embiid continued his preseason strategy of just trash talk trash talk trash talk and literally yelled at Eric Spolstra and said get this guy off the court he can't guard me he's gonna foul out in the first quarter and what did Eric Spolstra do he actually took him out so there's two ways to go here I'm gonna open up the floor I'm gonna go to Frank first because Frank I feel like you don't get to go first a lot so I'm gonna go to for, for you first here is Joel Embiid outstepping his boundaries as a guy who played 31 games talking smack at Hassan Whiteside, who's arguably the actual best center in the East because Embiid played 31 games? So, Frank, where do you land on this trash-talking Joel Embiid versus Hassan Whiteside saga? This dude 150% talks way too much right now. Um, I mean, for starters, besides the fact that Hassan Whiteside almost fouled out in the first half. Embiid was like one of seven and had also gotten blocked twice before Whiteside got taken out of the game. To the other point, telling him be uh, telling Spolstra to take out Whiteside—that's like I don't even know. That's like someone telling you to take a bite of your sandwich and then you take a bite of your sandwich and you're like, "Yeah, you did that because I told you." Like, no, I did it because it's a, what I was going to do. Like, you take a guy out when he's got three fouls in the first three minutes, but um. You take a guy out with two fouls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I just think it's like uh, it's the same thing that happened in baseball, okay? And I know I wound up being not so right, but still I think my premise was right. Like very early on in the baseball season, Aaron Judge got his his like judges section in Yankee Stadium. And I was just like, like, can we see what this guy does for like maybe a season before we, you know, embrace him as this great player? Like there's a guy for the Philadelphia Phillies named Dominic Brown, I believe, who hit like 13 home runs in a month, and like by the same time next season wasn't even in the MLB. Imagine the Phillies reacted like, like the Yankees did to Aaron Judge and built him his own little thing. They would look like idiots, and I kind of think that's what Joel Embiid's setting himself up for right now. He's setting himself up to look like a real big idiot. Oh, so. I could not. You you think he's 150% talking too much? I think he's 250%. Not talking enough. 
I need more Joel Embiid. I cannot get enough. I'm addicted I'm not, to the no, Joel Embiid. I'm not saying Shady. I don't enjoy everyone. it. It's entertaining. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's gonna shoot this man in the foot, like literally and figuratively. He's got terrible feet, and uh, he's not gonna be able to back this up. Yeah, I don't care. He's already back. He, How is he not going to back it up? In 31 games, he is already twice the player Hassan Whiteside is. I'm sorry. Like He went one right, of seven and got blocked right, twice. Right. He didn't, it's not even like he dominated him. And like Pete said, two of those foul calls were like, man, the blocking call that was called like when Embiid tried going baseline was total bullshit. Just because he couldn't keep his big ass up doesn't mean it was a foul on uh, Whiteside. So let's get that straight out of the air. It's a preseason game. And Whiteside got taken out early. The Sixers won. Okay, big picture. Yeah, they, won a they got the W. Game, like you said, preseason. They got the didn't play well in his personal matchup. It's preseason. I'll look at the personal matchup before I look at the outcome of the game. Hundred percent of the time in preseason. But if he's not, if you're talking about okay, best ability is availability. Whiteside's played more games. But if Embiid is going one one and seven, but he's taking the other team's rim protector out of the game because he's in foul trouble, which opens up lanes for his teammates, that's something that's not going to show on the stat sheet. But if you watch the game, it's something that's going to have a huge effect on it. Yeah, but Duff, you're talking about like a specific strategizing uh, aspect to a game head to head. We're talking about Joel Embiid overall talking so much trash when he hasn't played a regular season game yet this year and only played 31 last year. You don't think he needs to wait a little bit? Like, you don't think he needs to eclipse 31, play 32, Dude, and then just talk no, all the smack and no, I don't even, Pete, no. I don't even need to answer you, Bab. Take care of this man, please. Nah, man. Uh, so, I, I mean, it sounds like Pete's taking Frank's side. I can't, I can't go against my mans, like... Dude, I love it, man. It's just everything that I want in, like, a Philly athlete. Like, I love the trash talk. And, I mean, when, listen, I know the 31 games. I thought, I, I mean, a little shout-out to Whiteside. I thought the little name, the Embiid Eclipse, I thought that was pretty funny. You see? That was hysterical. That was, that was around funny. once a year, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was a good name. Whiteside got him a little bit there. But, man, I love it. And, and I'm not going to pick a winner out of this little – Petty war between Whiteside and Embiid. My winner is Embiid, but overall, I, I I don't know who won it. But Whiteside bowed out first, man. He he, I don't know who do you guys think. I think Whiteside started it on Twitter. He was the first one to bring up the one for seven, and then Embiid kind of went back at him. And then today, Whiteside kind of backed off. He was like, "Nah, man, it was all in fun." Like, well, I'll I'll add this because I I know you guys know that I follow Hassan White on Snapchat because you know I'm a reasonable NBA fan who likes good humor, and that man's hilarious on Snapchat. So I was following him on Snapchat, and I figured the next day he probably posted something about it. Uh, he didn't do it, like, super direct, but basically he was walking through a hallway, and he had the, the selfie cam going, taking a video, and he's just like, come on, man, like, be humble. Just, like, don't – he's just like, be humble, man. Like, what what's good? Just be humble. Somebody's got to be humble here. And I kind of agree with him. Like, it's a preseason game, Joe Embiid, like – his first game back, I like I, like Frank said, yo, it is entertaining as hell. It's so much fun. I, I don't really want him to stop as a fan, but if Joel Embiid was my teammate, like if I'm there's, – see, there's not really a true leader on that team right now, but if I'm Brett Brown, I guess, I don't know, J.J. Redick or even Ben Simmons, somebody who's close to Embiid and kind of gets him, be like, dude, just at least like save some of the trash talk for like the regular season. You know what I mean? Like slow, <laughs> oh, slow your roll just no, a little wait, bit. This is- we're talking about a preseason game with such 
like emphasis and detail and enthusiasm because of Joe Embiid. He's so great for the league and for a starving. That correct me if I'm wrong. For a starving Philly franchise that hasn't had success for years and years and years and have purposely been avoiding success, this is exactly what these fans are hungry for, and it's what the NBA is hungry for. This is what makes the NBA better than all the other leagues because the players have a voice and they have this individual brand that no matter who you're a fan of, you can buy into their individual brand and the way that they act. It's so entertaining. It's a good point. And like me, I don't think Frank and I are not disagreeing on that front. That This is so yeah, no, much as, fun. Like purely from the fan aspect, like of course I love it. It's something to talk about. Like you said, like it's got us hyped up about a preseason game. But I'm like just thinking long run, like, yeah, they're all fucking hyped up about him this year. He's been there for four seasons. Like, he finally he finally did something last year. Like, if you do something one out of four times, I don't think you really have the right to just go out there and, you know, voice it like you're the best one out there. I'd take the guy who does it four out of four times, the guy who does it one out of four times. I'm just I mean, saying, I think it's going to bite him in the ass. He's going to look stupid if he talks so much shit and then plays 30 games again. Because everyone's going to be like, yeah, maybe you're the best center, but you can't play. So what's the point? Yeah, I'll literally yeah. cry if that happens. Yeah, that's what, like, I, I, I can totally see where you're coming from. And, like, I'm just, I'm like I said in one of the previous podcasts, like, I'm on the optimistic side. Like, he's trending up. He went from zero games to zero games to 31 games. It's looking like he's going to hit 62 games this year, you know? Whoa. <laughs> But I I I don't think he's going to play that much. But, I mean, he's looked healthy. He looked great in his first preseason debut back. I don't know. Like, he didn't do great that night against the Heat. But just, like, the amount of energy that he's just so happy to be back on that court and playing basketball. And, like, he just loves – you can tell he just loves playing so much. And, like, that's why I do feel like, you know, maybe he does get caught up in the trash talking and whatnot. But, like, like like, I'm thinking of my favorite athletes. Like, Pete said the white side be humble thing. Like, my favorite athletes were never humble. Like, it was Allen Iverson, and then it was Brian Dawkins on the Eagles. Like, they were players who went out there, and they smashed they like smashed your face in, and then they told you that they smashed their face in. Like, like I love players like that. Uh, I can't wait to see, you know, what kind of energy he brings in the regular season, if that's what he's doing in the preseason. Well, I will say this. The Sixers and Heat, for Hassan Whiteside and Embiid to face off again, we're going to have to wait a little bit. They don't play until November. November second, the That's Heat and Sixers playoff uh, face off. So let's just hope for the sake of the NBA, for the sake of the NBA outsiders, for the sake of everybody who likes sports. Let's hope Embiid can still play in November, right? Everybody <laughs> wants to see this guy play. Yeah, Everyone wants his, to see him play. Uh, let's hope his feet and or knees do not explode. <laughs> let's let, let's all go with that because goddamn, let's be honest. If you hate the Sixers, you love the Sixers. You don't give a hell about the Sixers. Let's just hope for this man to be healthy. It's, it's, it's a win for everybody. Let's be real. But let's keep it moving. Let's keep it this thing moving now. Uh, just quick note, um, real quick before we move on to Thursday, because we got some fun games on Thursday. One specifically we're going to get into. Another cool game on Wednesday night, though, is Timberwolves Spurs. Going to be fun to see Butler, uh, Wiggins, and Towns go out on the court for the first time together. You got De'Aaron Fox and Josh Jackson uh, debuts. You got Boogie and AD coming back on Wednesday versus the Grizzlies. It's going to be a fun night of basketball on Wednesday. Uh, but then Thursday, we come back to see fantastic matchups number two. Because the real high-key matchups are tonight on Tuesday. 
Then Thursday, we have Knicks and Thunder. And I honestly believe that Lakers-Clippers is going to be low-key lit on Thursday. It's going to be electric for Lonzo Ball in the Staples Center. But let's talk about this Knicks-Thunder game. So as we all know, Hoodie Mello's taking his talents to OKC. He gone from New York, as they say. And now New York's rocking a lineup of possibly Frank Nilakina, possibly Ramon Sessions, Tim Hardaway. Courtney Lee's apparently going to be the starting three. KP at the four and Cantor at the five. This likely could mean that KP and Mello will be guarding each other often throughout this head-to-head matchup for the first game of their season. Duff, Frank, I don't want to. You went to first, I went to you first last time. Gonna keep you for the end on this one. Uh, Duff, Knicks Thunder. How does this excite you? It excites me in too many ways because we're finally gonna get to see what it's like when we got. Westbrook, George, and Mello all in the same court. Are we going to get Westbrook, George, Mello? Are we going to get Westbrook, George, Hoodie Mello, Olympic Mello? What's what's the deal? And I think a lot of people are buying into it. And I, I don't know if a lot of people are buying into it at this point because we got burned so bad on the Warriors. Is this only one ball theory that if you get too many great players together, they'll they won't work well together because they all want to get theirs and blah, blah, blah. These guys still want to win. Wait, like, Duff, 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 Duff. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You are the driver of that theory. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. All right, listen, listen. No, no, no. Here. I'm the driver of that theory when it comes to if this doesn't work, it's 100% Mello's fault. Like, I think Westbrook and George are bought in. Mello. What? It's the, okay. it's the only one worried about. Because I, that could, dude, I actually I couldn't. Could not, I could not disagree more. I can't. Duff I, versus I'm Frank. On the record, Duff as not Frank. liking Mello at all. Well, I, I think I can't dis. I, I literally could not disagree more. He's the oldest, and he's had the most difficult time in the past three years. He is the most hungry, uh, win hungry person on that team. Possibly, if you look at terms of recent success, that guy wants to just win. Why do you think he keeps going to the Olympics? Because it's the only chance he gets to win. And that's why I eventually... He's teammates. He's bought in, bro. That's why over the the summer, like, talking to you guys and thinking about it more, that's why I've shifted to the side of, I think he's going to buy in. But I'm never going to be 100% sold on Carmelo Anthony being a team player. I'm sorry. I'm skeptical. I'm a little skeptical. But I think you're right. I think he's going to buy in. I think he realizes that this is potentially his last, like shot like I've never been on the mellow chain like I never thought that he was he was that winner but I think at this point in his career he realizes this is the best chance he's gonna get for himself individually and like that team to go somewhere in the playoffs so for that reason I think he 100% had to have bought in when he signed for them like I think that he would like he could have stayed in New York or whatever or gone somewhere else and like got his own kept putting up numbers and you know throwing the ball through the hoop but I think he kind of realizes that this is might be his last shot to like really do something and like kind of like make a name like create a legacy for his career like win like win a title i don't know yeah i mean so to to duff's point um i hate to say because i love paul george as a player if you've listened to the previous podcast you know how how high i am on paul george but of the three there, I feel like he's the one who fits out the most. He's the one who's going to have to change the most to become a part of that team because he likes to make plays. He likes to have the ball in his hand, um, and that's just not how he's going to be used. Like I, I, I can see him being the second unit guy where he'll be extremely comfortable and all that, but I could definitely see him and Russell Westbrook butting heads for now. Like It's going to take some time for him to accept 
that role, I believe, See, more I, so than Melo. I think, especially because it's a contract year for Paul George. Um, I still think there's a good chance he remains in Oklahoma City. He's obviously expressed interest in the Lakers, and it's a contract year. So if you think this guy is not going to be like you know going out for his, I think you got a little bit you know lost along the way. But I don't think that's a hundred percent given. I think you know good players want to win. He's finally on a team with with world class athletes such as himself, and I think that. Like you said, it changes the mindset like the Warriors. Like everybody thought there's only one ball. But I think uh, just adding talent is good. Adding talent is always good. You know, Frank, I, I, I kind of – I hear you on the Paul George front, and this is why I'm a little torn. So Paul George has had this history of saying the right thing, right? So even when he was in, in, in Indiana, other than calling out C.J. Miles for taking a pretty decent shot at the end of the playoff game – Paul George is always pretty known for kind of saying the right things, being pretty low-key uh, outside of the court, at least on the court. He was electric, great player, great defender, two-way player. Now in OKC, he's definitely saying the right thing still. But that's kind of why I'm still a little torn. is because he's always said the right things, but he always hasn't done the right things. So what Paul George has said, basically, is that he's always looked at himself as a two-way player, affect the game on both sides of the ball, and that's what he plans to do in Oklahoma City. And if that is exactly what he's going to do in Oklahoma City, it's absolutely perfect. That's what he needs to do. He needs to be the guy who does a little bit of everything, gives Russ his breaks, and is the man on the court. And then when he's playing next to Russ, take a little bit of a lesser role, play lockdown D, help out rebounding. I think he's bought in. I'm going to buy Paul George this year. I'm, I'm buying the Thunder in general. I kind of bought into the Thunder before they traded for Melo, and now the hype is a little more real. But my expectations are pretty much the same. I think the Thunder are going to be electric. I think the key, though, the guy who we're almost forgetting about because he's so talented is Russell Westbrook. I am predicting, and you guys know this better than anybody, I have not been a Russell Westbrook guy for uh, per se. right? I've criticized him for assist hunting, rebound hunting, not making his teammates better the whole nine. I've gone there with Russell Westbrook since his days when Harden was on the, rock, on the Thunder. This year... Russell Westbrook, efficiency skyrockets. Assists and points stay really close to the same. Rebounds drop a tad because you can't get a triple-double two seasons in a row. I don't think so, at least. We'll see. I think Russ figures it out. I think he actually makes people better. And he does it more efficiently. He's going to take like four less shots a game and score the same amount of points. I'm really excited to see Russ work with these two superstars. I couldn't agree more. Um... So this is like the Shade podcast. So a little bit of Shade came out from the Warriors not too long ago that they 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 felt that Russell Westbrook's style of play was easy to guard. That's ridiculous. Which well, I I as a team, yeah. When you can get all five guys bought into shutting down just Russell Westbrook, yeah, that becomes a problem for the Thunder. But I think he's like like Pete said. I think he's a little bit different of a player this year uh, because of the talent around him. Like. It just changes how that team's going to operate offensively, and they are not going to be easy to guard. That I will emphasize. They will definitely not be easy to guard. He's always been one of my favorite players to watch. Just like his individual skill and the explosiveness that he brings when he's on the court is just unreal, and I do think the additions that they added just make it even more exciting. Like, the Thunder are just going to be – they're going to be a lot to handle for any team. They're, they're going to be so much fun to watch. I think they're going to be a good team for sure. That's so, not a, that's not a so can I ask a question? Can I pose a question? Absolutely. Pose it. 
do the Knicks even have like the slightest bit of a chance <laughs> in this game? Abs- absolutely not. No. <laughs> Especially if if Carmelo or if KP's guarding Carmelo like uh Pete was talking about. I was thinking this as soon as he said that, just like reflexively in my head, I was like, Carmel's gonna put that dude in a body bag. It's gonna be so like he cannot step outside to guard him. Like that'll never happen. He's never. Yeah, gonna, I um, agree. I just, but watching so many Knicks games over the past few years and watching so much Mellow, there's one thing I feel Mellow has never adjusted to since he's like lost his ability to jump. Um, he gets blocked by big guys all the time in the paint so if someone else is on Carmelo at the perimeter and he tries to take it in I'm calling it now 100% Porzingis is going to send a mellow layup into the 15th row like <laughs> that I could see that I could yeah. definitely see but if you're if KP is ever isoed onto Carmelo at any point Carmelo is still quick his first step is still oh, yeah, yeah. elite first steps in the NBA so he's just going to blow right by him so, I agree with you on the perimeter um I guess my second point, though, what, what about uh, what about Mello versus Porzingis on the other end? Mello out can out physical the hell out of KP. Like Mello can body up Porzingis a lot, but I don't know. Porzingis likes to hang out around the perimeter. Mello isn't exactly comfortable there, but I think quickness wise, Mello's still right there. I think that's a good matchup. I think that's way more evenly matched than KP guarding Mello. I bet. I don't know, man. I think. Kristaps Porzingis is an absolute matchup nightmare for Chris, uh, for Carmelo Anthony. Just because, like... The length? Just the length and, like, ferocity. Like, that guy is but relentless on the offensive end, and Carmelo Anthony is, like, a notable lazy defender, so I could just see him getting beat on, like, stupid shit. These guys, like, maybe they'll get switched onto one another, or maybe KP will guard Carmelo. Carmelo will never have the assignment of guarding Porzingis. Nah, that will be... never be a thing for the, everything that you just said. He's a lazy defender. He's not known to guard the best player on the other team. And if he does, he's not known to do it successfully. If they yeah. go small, Paul George would probably guard Kristaps because who is the other offensive threat for the Knicks? Uh, you know well, what? I mean, Ron it's Bing. Hardaway Jr., Tim Hardaway, right, Doug, I think, Enos Cantor. I think Carmelo would, would have hundred like way more success against Hardaway than he would on Porzingis. No, Hardaway would blow by Melo. Yeah, he can't keep up with him athletically. But to that point, I think regardless, I actually don't think Melo's the four on the Thunder. I think PG is. PG's like six foot ten, much better athlete, um, and he's got better rebounding numbers. So I don't see why he wouldn't be the four. It's very fair, and you know what? Uh, this is what you got to think about with the Knicks. So it comes down to this. I was thinking about it. The only way the Knicks can actually win this game is if they absolutely just go off on offense, right? That's what I thought about real quick when somebody said, do the Knicks have a chance? But then I realized that it doesn't matter because if the Knicks score 120 against the Thunder somehow, they're going to give up 140. Like, their defense yeah. is so, so bad. Nuts. It's unbelievable. There's no defenders on this team. There's no... There's no pure alpha just yet. There might be a guy by the middle of the season who steps up, but they're still I think they're still battling for it between Tim Hardaway and Porzingis. I think their but, best defender right now might be Frank Nilakina. <laughs> don't say that. That's oh, not, oh man, you you're that's, that's not crazy. That's not a bad take. And I'm not even saying that it's Frank's that good take, yet. But it's terrible for the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, but it's true, dude. They're gonna give up so many points. Well, Courtney Lee's not a bad defender. That's fair. He's a, he's he's definitely fine. He's definitely fine at defense. 
We know Dougie McBuckets ain't, ain't, ain't stopping nobody, though. Neither is right, Tim so, Hardaway. Uh, he's going to try harder this year, though. Tim's going to try a lot harder this year. So, Chris Stapps right, so, is a terrible you, individual defender, but a decent team defender. He can block shots. He's good helping, he's good helping off. Bad. Who? Bab, what'd you have there? I was just saying, it's, yeah, I was agreeing. His help defense is good. Like, when he's coming across the lane, like, he's not a bad team defender. I just think individually he's not great. Right, well, he also gets into foul trouble a lot. And Enos Cantor is literally just a swinging door. It swings both ways, too. It's just turnstile. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I agree. All right, so what, having said all that, who, 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 who y'all picking in this game? Oh my god! I think, I think when I asked if the Knicks is had anyone going to pick the Knicks? No. I think when I, yeah, I was going to say when when I asked if the Knicks had a shot, and you all kind of collectively just laughed and said no. I feel like we answered that one. Yeah. If I had if just I had a sure. crazy let's just make that clear. Let's just make <laughs> Look, that clear. Duh, I'll put it like this for you, man. If I had like a crazy income right now, like if the NBA Outsiders was like crazy lit and we had millions of downloads and whatnot, like I would put my student loans on the Thunder, like. <sighs> Like crazy. Well, now well, I'm saying so. Say it's a money line, and the money line's like minus eight hundred on the Thunder. I'm putting times eight hundred the amount just to pay off my student loans. That's how <laughs> that's how confident I am the Thunder are gonna win. Couldn't agree more. I watch. I'll be wrong now. <laughs> Think I don't have that income. Jeff Hornacek suits up, drops twenty. <laughs> that's what I mean. Jeff Hornacek was the best. Def- would have been the best defender on this team if he was still playing. But that's enough about the Knicks and the Thunder. It's going to be exciting, man. I can't wait to see Melo face the Knicks and just see that team together. Because let's be real. If the Thunder were playing the freaking Raptors or somebody, it would still be exciting to see Russ, PG, and Melo. But they happen to be going up against Melo's former team. That's really fun. That's Thursday night. We're pumped about it. But we're pretty much done here. This is the NBA Outsiders Podcast. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying. We are a Sports Blog New York podcast soon enough. Soon enough, we'll be on our own feed, but we want to get the hype up. We want to hear from you guys. So if you like what you have been hearing, leave a little rating, leave a review, follow us on Twitter at NBA underscore Outsiders. Let us know what you think and if you enjoy this fine program here. But before we go away, what I want to do, I just want to bounce around the room here, and I want everybody to make a prediction. I don't care if you're going to predict MVP, Rookie of the Year. I don't care if you're going to predict that the – Bulls are going to win 40 games, which is ridiculous, obviously. Or if you're going to pick one specific player and say this specific player is going to do this, this, and this. I don't care. But whoever wants to go first, jump in. Make one prediction coming into this 17-18 season. You want a year-long prediction? I don't care, man. You just got to predict something. Right. So I'm just I'm just going to predict something. The other primetime game we didn't talk about on Thursday is going on after uh, Nick's Thunder. Is Lakers Clippers? You said that was going to be low key exciting. I, that's like so high key. Everyone's going to get a taste. Alonzo Ball's first regular season game. I'm predicting he's going to go for 15 assists. Woo. Damn. 15. Damn hot take. Dude, I'm, from one F Duff. I'll go off that because the one I was thinking. I think Lonzo uh, this whole year might average a double double. I could see him averaging double digit points, double digit assists in his rookie year. And then my the other one I was thinking, my my sixth man of the year has got to be Marcus Smart. I think coming off the bench uh, in Boston is going to do uh, he's going to do real well. And now that Kyrie's a starting point guard, will be able to pick up some things. And uh, he's he's my he's my sixth man of the year, Marcus Smart. Love it. All right, so I'm just going to preface my pick real quick by tooting my own horn. I guarantee to a few friends last year, I believe Pete was one of them, that Russell Westbrook was going to win the MVP. You did. Uh, just based off like situation and, and all that junk. 
So uh, I'm going to stick with MVP because I got it right last year. I'm going to see if I can go two years in a row. I'm going to guarantee it. I'm calling Giannis Antetokounmpo 2017-2018 MVP and possibly Defensive Player of the Year as well, which would be outrageous. Wow. Whoa. All right, well, since you just said that, if he wins one, I'll give it to you. But that that's that's pretty that's pretty well, crazy. My, I like my it. MVP is a lock. My MVP is a lock. I said possibly defensive player of the year. So wow, I love Give it. Give me the MVP, and we'll talk about the defensive player of the year when he wins it. You put 20, 20, 20 25 bucks on Giannis to win MVP. I'm pretty sure he's plus eight hundred. You can win some cash just with twenty five bucks or something, Frank. I might do it, man. We might have to pool in as a pod because I'm telling you guys, Ooh. this is just my a, pick. Just a real quick, real quick trivia question for you guys there are four players who have ever won the defensive player of the year and the mvp during their careers ready i got two michael jordan hakeem olajuwon and only two players and only two players have won it in the same season hakeem olajuwon hakeem olajuwon did it in the same season that's one michael jordan that's the other one who did in the same season now who are the other tim duncan both russell no Ah. all three of those no Bill Russell didn't do it? Damn. Oh, uh, Will Chamberlain. No. No? That dude didn't play defense. I don't know defense. if they had Defensive Player of the Year back then. And if they, they did, didn't. if they did, he didn't care about defense anyway. Hell no. Oh, man, this is tough. That is tough. I'm not Googling anything, I promise. Oh, man, give us a hint. All right, so one of them was definitely before our time, but not by much. And the other player was, I think he did it in our lifetime, but we were young. Can we get teams? Yeah. No, that's going to give it away, I think. It's too much? Okay. So Can we get conference? It wasn't... Both of them in Western Conference. It wasn't Both. Tim Duncan. It was not Tim Duncan. Carl Malone? No. Damn. So, early in our lives... Oh, shit. That's fucking tough. Clyde Drexler. What? That was no. All right, I'm giving you guys... All right, it was... It was... I'll give you guys hints. One was on the Spurs, the other was on the Timberwolves. David Robertson. Yep. Damn it. I picked the wrong spur. And, uh, you and picked what was the other team? Tower. The Timberwolves. KG, baby. KG, obviously. Damn, that was a good That's one. That's why I felt if I gave the teams after you already guessed Tim Yeah, Duncan. no, the Kevin Garnett 100%, and since we already guessed, yeah, you were right. You were right. Yeah. We didn't get it. All right, so, so that la- would, last Think about not- the legendary company he would be in if he was with those four players to do it yeah. in, in their I mean, careers and in the same season. That would be crazy. Well, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not saying he's not capable of it. I'm no, just, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. My my case for it is though, like realistically, he's gonna block two shots a game at least, and he's so long. You know, he always steals passes. So I can see him being like a two and a half blocks, two steals guy. That's got to put you in the top five for that category. And yeah, I mean, he, was two, he was two blocks and a steal and a half last year. I think if he gets to two blocks, two, two steals, and a half. two and a half, like like you're saying. I don't think that's completely unrealistic. I, I, I could see, I could see it happening. And also, nonetheless, he's going to lead his team in points, rebounds, and assists, and blocks, and steals. <laughs> so yeah, he just has like last year. <laughs> I see, I see the defensive player of the year more than I see the MVP. I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to take MVP. I think, okay. I think MVP. I see MVP more than I see defensive player of the yeah, year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like with Draymond and like, Kawhi. Just like we, yo, like stop we just sleeping said, on Gobert. Like, think of all he led. He led his team in like five major categories last year. Any other season a player does that and averages over 20 points like he did, 
you win the MVP. Can y'all stop sleeping on Rudy Gobert, man? This is Yo, his can year. Can you just stop being a Utah Jazz dick rider one time? <laughs> Yo, you can say Duff's, that all you Yo, want. Yo, Duff's working towards that second F right now. Duff. Can, <laughs> I'm coming for it. I'm yeah. coming for it. Yo, Duff, you can say that all you want, but Rudy Gobert is ridiculous on defense, bro. He should have won it last year. Draymond had the better campaign. He was like Trump. He was being talking about it and whatnot. Rudy Gobert plays in Utah. You think he's going to get some love? We stick no to way. sports on this podcast. <laughs> we could do a whole pod about predicting these awards preseason. I really think we could. There's a lot to talk about there. But, like, yeah. All right, well, let me make my prediction. And I wasn't going to bring – I got two predictions. And I'm bringing one up solely to piss off Duff here. Uh, so my first prediction is it's not really, like, quantitative, I guess, but it's kind of more just a generality here. I think Ricky Rubio is going to shoot jump shots this year. That's one of my predictions. Is that fair? How many How many jump shots are you talking about? That's what I'm saying. It's not quantitative. I think it's going to be like a generality of, like, he will actually pull jump shots, whether it be threes, people mid-rangers. Will, you, like, I think people will be talking about him shooting more jump shots. Yes. I think it's going to be like a, a clear-cut thing where it's a like, narrative. oh, Ricky Rubio is not afraid to shoot anymore. I think that's going to happen this year. Uh, and then my second prediction is going to be uh, – that one's so easy, though. I don't want to say that. I was going to say that Ben Simmons is going to win Rookie of the Year, but I don't really want to say that. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this. Ben Simmons, by the end of the season, realizes he's not a lefty and thinks about starting to shoot righty. Oh, please, for the love of God, I hope that's true. I was watching <laughs> – quick shout-out. If anyone hasn't, been, hasn't seen this, The Ringer is doing an NBA palooza. Uh, thing there's just like tons and tons of NBA content, a lot of videos. It's pretty much all video, and uh, one of them was the the case between like the Sixers being good and the Sixers not being good. And the guy who was arguing for the Sixers not being good had pulled up this chart. I wish I had it, but Kevin O'Connor. Kevin O'Connor. I wish I. Do you saw the video? I did. I wish I had the chart to read the numbers off of, but it was he broke down like his layups, his dunks. Uh, and his floaters, what, like hook floaters, righty, lefty, and both handed. He had like 75, 80, 90 percent righty in all three of those categories, and then like 10 percent, uh, like with with both hands, and then like three percent, five percent with his left hand. A dude is supposed to be a lefty, not even using his left hand around the rim. But, yeah, it's one hundred percent a right. He's a righty. He's got to figure it out. I think the sad part is either way, he's just not a good shooter. <laughs> Dude, like not maybe right he's shooting with the right hand, maybe he can catch up a little. But like, damn, he's shooting with the left hand this whole time. Like, oh well, my god. There's hope for Ben Simmons. If there's one thing guys in this NBA can learn, it's how to shoot. Yeah. Uh, the the perfect example we talked about a ton on this pod. Kawhi Leonard could not shoot a lick out of college. And wait, Look at him now. speaking of right hand, left hand, in college, Mike Conley was a righty, and now he's lefty shooter. He is really good with both hands, actually, so it's kind of like the anti-Ben Simmons. He had two right. kind of strong hands, not two kind of weak hands, but he did switch from shooting righty to lefty, uh, like legit, for threes. And so three yeah, there is, such there a is precedent. There is precedent for it, and he actually, he shoots lefty, he shoots well from three, and also his favorite move going to the basket, or his favorite shot is like, a right-handed floater from, like, the left elbow, so... Very similar to Ben Simmons right there. Because he's so damn good. Look at right, that. Duff. All right, well, so anybody un- got any so closing thoughts? Dude, he doesn't for- even know what fucking handy is. Fuck you, Frank. <laughs> anybody have any closing thoughts for the NBA Outsiders' fourth-ever episode? 
just to go off real quick what Frank was saying there, uh, this was an argument that we were having over the summer is who's the better point guard, Kyrie Irving or uh, Mike Conley. So I would love for Twitter to throw us some feedback at NBA underscore outsiders. Who is the better point guard? Kyrie I want to I wanna go out like on the record, like total PR move right here. I was saying that Kyrie was better. Just Duff underrates Conley. Just no, know that was, outsider fans, Duff uh, is a Mike Conley this hater. Is fake yeah, no, no, that's... No, True Duffy, hater. Duffy, Duffy, Duffy. That's fair. I was the one that who said fair. Conley's better. So Wait, if, oh, you were the one. Yes, you're right. I always mix that up. So if you that want, at me, at me, at NBA underscore outsiders, and at me, Pete, shout me out. I don't care. Mike Conley's better point guard than Kyrie Irving. If everyone thinks he's underrated, he's not underrated anymore. I don't think he's underrated. I just think he's better than Kyrie at point guard. Right, you, you're the only one in the on the planet Earth who overrates him, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, Bab, you got any last words? You just were quiet for a minute. Yeah, no, I'm just, I, I love hearing you guys bicker, go back and forth. It's great. Makes for great entertainment. But I'm just pumped that the season's finally starting. I can't wait to, you know, we're making all these predictions. I can't wait to see what actually happens. Me too, man. And Bab, you said it great. Thank you for closing it out. This is the NBA Outsiders podcast, a sports blog New York podcast, at, at Sportblog NYC. Butchered that one. And at NBA underscore Outsiders. For Pete, Frank, Bab, and Duff, hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this fine program. Shout out the NBA Outsiders, and get hype for this NBA season. Have a good one.